This podcast is presented to you by High Desert Word Center in Barstow, California. For more information, visit hdwc.org. Glory to God. Mm. Now, you know, I just think about one of my one of my favorite things I like to say sometimes. You know, we talk about God. Is this? I learned this off Brother Hagen. He may be God to the world, but he's Father to me. Amen. You know, I love to pray to my Heavenly Father in the name of Jesus instead of just the dear God because there's so many gods that the world knows about and they pray to. But Ephesians chapter 3 says He's the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ and all the family that's in heaven and on earth. That's who He is. He's my Father. Say that. Say, say He may be God to the world, but He's Father to me. Amen. And when you, when, you, when you receive that revelation of who He really is, your whole life changes. You know, you're not, you're not just, you're not just holy at church time. You choose to live holy all week long and recognize He's with you everywhere, every step, every day. And He knows you're not perfect. He knows you need help. And that's why He wants you to stay connected every day. You fall down and miss it. He wants you to look right back up and know it. He was there anyway. He just wants you to look up. Because Jesus said you have not because you ask not. And so when you fall down, that's why he has help. Jesus, help. Amen. Well, I want to show you a book out of the bookstore to start off with. It's going to be really in line with what we're teaching tonight. It's called The Triumph of the Church. It's called The Triumph of the Church. And as we look at things we're going to see in the Word tonight, this book here really, really, really goes into great detail. This is not one you buy and you sit and play on Facebook while you're reading it. This is one, this is one you take to your prayer closet and you take your notebook and you take your Bible and you might spend three, four, six months going through it slowly. Look at the scriptures, writing them down, reading them out loud, praying them. And asking the Lord to help you see what it is He wants you to see out of this book. And when you hear me teach what I teach tonight, it should, it should really, uh, cause you on the inside to hunger to know more what we're going to talk about tonight. But you know, it says the tribe of the church doesn't say the barely get a buyers. It doesn't say the ones with the lead down on the ground crying out, Oh dear God, dear God, help, help, help. The triumph church. Triumph means you win. It means you get victory over whatever's coming your way. And so anyway, uh, I really hope you take good notes tonight. I hope you have your pen, have your notebooks, have something to write on. If you have to, get one of those uh, sermon outlines this morning, write on the back of it or something like that. But take some notes. Really, I'm not going to have a lot of verses. There's going to be a lot of things to help you. And the title is this. You can't control the world, but you can't control your part of the world. You can't control the world, but you control your part of the world. And I loved John's testimony a while ago. I loved John's testimony. John can't keep the flu out of my house. He can keep it out of his house. Amen. John can't keep poverty off my family, but I keep poverty off my family. And so, in your realm of influence, you need to think about Adam and Eve. How many know that the book of Genesis is called the book of beginnings? God shows you his plan for man starting in the book of Genesis. What, what, did, what did God tell Adam? Well, Lots of things, but the main thing he was, he said, I've given you this garden, you take care of it. He said, you guard it, you keep intruders out. And you allow, what you allow in here. And I said, you got control over the garden, this is your domain. And so for we as believers, 
We as believers, we have authority in our families. The devil cannot come into our family to steal, kill, destroy unless we give him permission. And when you you study the book of Genesis, you see that the devil came in. He bypassed Adam, went to the weaker vessel. He started talking to Eve because he knew Adam was one that had the authority. Now, if you're a single mom today, you've got the authority. But Adam and Eve were there as married husband and wife. And God's the one that told Adam what to do in the garden. And Eve wasn't even there yet. But God told Adam, all she got was second-hand knowledge from Adam because it was after God told him to take care of the garden that then God took Eve out of his side. That's all she was going by was what she heard. And so it says that Adam stood there and then it says he ate the fruit with her. But he stood there silent. He stayed silent. We saw the devil coming in, trying to mess with his home. He didn't do anything. Amen. And so anyway, God, through a Bible teacher, through the Word of God, will open your eyes to show you what to do. So it'd be like John's house. Say, man, I put up this flu all, all these many years like that. And I found out from the Bible I don't have to have it anymore. Amen. You don't have to be depressed anymore. You don't have to have the, have the devil take over your kids anymore, whether they're married or grown up or whatever. You've got authority that lives of your children to a certain degree when they get out of their own because they're part of your bloodline. Amen. And so anyway, I want to start off with Ephesians chapter 1, verse 3. And, and you know, I want to say this again, especially if you're in crisis. I, I, uh, I just came through a pretty serious crisis myself this year. I mean, you know, I've mentioned it this morning. It's to me, I knew I knew how to handle the battle when it started back in January. Said seventy percent of my blood had cancer in it, stage four, and then back in August had a heart attack. Said ninety nine, that's ninety nine, ninety nine percent of my right coronary artery was blocked locked off, and the doctor said you shouldn't be here. He said you were a walking dead man. You shouldn't be here, but the word of God sustained me through it all. Word of God gave me victory through it all. And I said it this morning, say it again. Uh, the heart doctor run a test for the last couple of months, looked at everything Friday, reviewed the test with me. Normal, 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 normal. How do you have a 99% heart blockage and not have a damaged heart? It's the Word of God. It's the Spirit of God. How do you, how do you have 7% blood cancer? Stage 4. And you're walking, talking, praising God, loving Jesus. Well, that's what I want to show you tonight. I want to show you how this works. It didn't happen. Boy, ain't he lucky. Well, he must have good genes. That's nothing to do with that. It's what I've done for all of my Christian life with the Word of God, what I'm going to show you tonight. You know that book, The Triumph of the Church? I'm going to show you tonight how you triumph through these things, but you've got to do what I did. I know that uh, when I married Mrs. Pastor, we come from the, from the same uh, Christian stock back in Indianapolis, same pastor, same church. What one a whole lot like our church because he was my pastor for a lot of years. And so he taught me a lot of things. And so when I came to California, I prayed for people that be hungry for the word of God like we were as young Christians. And we had a lot of young Christian friends that are grown up now. Uh, talk about people we start off in church together. A lot of them backslid because they didn't get hungry. A very few of them are still serving God today in a strong capacity because they kept the hunger. And they're the ones that just kind of just backed off in their love for the Word of God, their hunger for feeding all the Word of God. 
They went through multiple divorces, bankruptcies, died young, and all kinds of things, so they let loose of the Word. And so, things we want to look at tonight, I'm telling you, always pray. Like 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 23 says, Be hungry and thirsty for the Word of God. And if you see your hunger level for the Word of God waning, where you're not hungry anymore, has anybody ever seen an old person at a nursing home or something that quit eating? What happens? They start getting weak and sickly, and eventually they die. You want to know why Christians backslide? They lose their hunger. And Jesus said, man shall live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the Facebook. No, that's why there's so many weak Christians today, because it's feeding more on social media than there are word of God. Amen. Ephesians chapter 1, verse 3. This is such a powerful verse. And I want you to listen as I, as I, as I expound on this. It says, blessed be, and by the way, verse 1 does say, you notice in verse 1 it says, to the faithful in Christ Jesus. As that tells you, that's not just for a church 2,000 years ago. Are you the faithful in Christ Jesus? That he's talking to you. Look at your neighbor and say, hey, he's talking to me. Hey, man, look at your other neighbor and say, and I'm listening. Hey, man, because you're the faithful. He says, blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us. Who has blessed us. Let me ask you a question. Is has blessed us past tense, already done it, present tense, or future tense? It's past tense. Says he's already blessed us. Has blessed us with what? All spiritual blessings in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. He's already done all he's going to do for you. Says he's blessed us already with all spiritual blessings and heavenly places in Christ. And, you know, you think about it. I don't, I don't ask set up questions. You know, some preacher sets you up then when you answer, you think, ha, you answered that wrong, I got you. Let me ask you a question. How many here have received eternal life through Jesus Christ, your Lord and Savior? You've done, okay, let me ask you this. Was that provided, this is not a setup, this is for real based upon this verse. Was that provided when you asked him, or was that provided 2,000 years ago? What happened? You found out about it today. Or you found out about it, whatever your spiritual birthday is, he didn't do it right then. He did it 2,000 years ago, but you just found out. And when you found out, you act upon it. But you know, 1 Peter 2.24 says at the same time that he saved you, he healed you. Amen. Do you know he, he met your financial needs 2,000 years ago when Jesus redeemed you from the curse? And so just because you just found out about tithing and started tithing, doesn't mean that's when the tithing blessing started. That opened up thousands of years ago, but you just found out. That's the way... Everything else in life you need is God's already blessed you. Past tense. You've been delivered from depression 2,000 years ago. You've been delivered from upheaval in your family 2,000 years ago. How could I say that? I didn't say it. God said it. He says He's already blessed you with all spiritual blessings. It's heavenly places in Christ. I want to say again, I hope you're taking notes. 
I want to make a statement the Lord told me years ago that I like to make quite frequently. The spiritual always determines the natural, good or bad. The spiritual. It says he has blessed you false prophecies. How many know multiple verses tell us God is a spirit? Genesis chapter 1 says the spirit of God brooded over the earth. And this says God spoke from the spiritual realm. In the spiritual realm, God spoke. Everything you see today, a spirit put into the natural world. When God said, let there be light, <laughs> light came in from the spiritual determined the natural. When God said, let the waters cover the earth, the oceans were created. Everything was created from the spirit it determined the natural. When God said, let there be winged creatures we can fly across the earth. When God said, let there be cattle, cattle were created. God did that for the spiritual realm. And so we have to understand, God has blessed us with everything we're ever going to need, but we're the ones that have to see it and get a hold of it. We need to see it. That's what we're going to look like, about how to see things, how to get a hold of things. And so the spiritual always determines the natural, good or bad. But many Christians... And I'll say most Christians are approaching life wrong in how they pray. They're praying for God to do something he's already done. When you're praying for your lost ones, God says much about how to pray for the lost. Why would you pray, Jesus save them, Jesus save them, Jesus save them? If he died 2,000 years ago, what's he going to do, come down to die again? He already did. And so the right prayer... Jesus told us is to pray for their eyes to be open because the God of this world has them blinded so they can see what he's done. That's the same way you pray, pray for Christians. We're going to get that into, into greater detail in just a minute. That's what it's all about. But let me give you an example the Lord gave me years ago. And it really, really, really helps me to see how this works. I believe it'll help you. Uh, I just have to use the one he gave me. Uh, how many here know what a serpentine belt is? Probably most of you don't know. Some of you do know. Anyway, that's the main belt on modern cars that turns everything, that makes everything work. It's a great big log. We used to have little fan belts on cars. Now, serpentine belt hooks around your motor. When your car's running, it causes your air conditioner to work. It causes your alternator to work. It causes your power steering to work. It turns everything. At the serpentine belt breaks, your car goes nowhere because that's the main part that makes it work. And it's kind of a little tricky thing to put on. But anyway, the Lord told me this way. He said this. He said, if you've got a serpentine belt and it's laying right there and you don't know how to put it on, you're asking me for a serpentine belt, you're praying the wrong prayer. You've already got it. Why pray for a serpentine belt if you've got a serpentine belt? He said, you need to change your praying. He said, you pray that somebody will come along and show you how to put it on. Or somebody will put it on for you. Or pray for knowledge. This is back before they had Google and stuff. You know, you get a repair badge on, you study the manual, and you see how to put it on. But today we could Google and get a YouTube video and say, here's how you put the serpent belt. In other words, if you're praying for God to give you something, he says he's already given you, you're praying the wrong prayer. So you've got to pray for the knowledge of how to put it on. You've got to know how to put on joy over depression. You've got to know how to put on healing over sickness. You think about John. 
You know, John had the flu all those years. I was a pretty sickly guy for a lot of years too, John, until I learned about my pastor taught me how to do these things. And so see, John, all, all those years, putting up that supper, that was probably praying all kinds of prayers about all kinds of asking God, begging God, pleading with God to do stuff. And God says, John, I can't do it. I already did it. I gave you healing 2,000 years ago, and so you need knowledge how to put it on. And so God said, John, because you're spiritual enough, you're smart, smart enough, I'm going to lead you to a church going to teach you. And that would be like leading me to a mechanic to say, here, uh, Pastor Samples, I want to show you how to put the serpentine belt on. And so i got to be smart enough then, when he does it, to watch how he does it, and then ask him questions if I don't know how he did it. Say, And then he hand me a book then and say, well, I'll tell you what, take this home and study it. This book taught me is why I can put it on. That you study the same book I studied, then you can put it on next time. And so then John come to the church, like many of you, and he listened to me teach out of the manual how to put on healing over flu. Hey, man, it's that's what I've said about tonight. I can teach you things tonight from the Word of God, but you've got to yourself say, Lord, help me to learn what it is the Bible's saying. Lord, I can see the fruit in Pastor Sample's life that is working. And Lord, I know that if he can put it on, I can put it on if I do what he did from the Word of God. Does that make sense to you? You understand what I'm saying? And so see, most Christians... Matter of fact, I'll give you an example. I don't, I don't look at the Facebook that much. I just basically check it out to see what my church people are doing, what they're saying, you know, how they like Pastor Dave's sermon this morning. And, uh, I just glanced through there for maybe five minutes this afternoon, just looked at it to see, you know, about Pastor Dave's sermon, what people got out of it. And I saw somebody, I don't even know who they were, never met her, some woman on there talked about, she said, she said, I need all my prayer warriors right now to save my life. Said, I guess God knows with such, such a cancer. I thought, lady, you're in trouble already. If you're depending on the prayer warriors on the Facebook. Because you know what they're going to give her? Hun, sitting in prayers. Where are you sitting them to, hun? If, 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 if this lady can get 10,000 likes, maybe God will like her and he'll heal her. No, 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 no. That's not what you do. You do what we're going to talk about tonight. Get off that garbage. Get into the Word of God and let God open your eyes to see what He's already done. Do better, I'm doing better preaching than you are shouting. Amen. Somebody say amen. And so, and so we have to know that He's already blessed us, past tense, with all spiritual blessings. He's provided healing, prosperity, success in your relationships, happy, intact, peaceful families. But we need to know how to, how to enjoy these things. And so we need, we need to make adjustments in our prayer life. I want to say that again. If you get results of how you're praying and you're happy, then stick with it. But if you want better results, you've got to change something. And Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. He's not going to change. I like what I heard Mrs. Pastor say years and years ago. God going to change to? He's already perfect. How do you change perfect? He says, we're the ones that's got to change our thinking. We're the ones that's got to change our believing. We're the ones that's got to change our praying because God's perfect. He's not going to change to yield to your flesh and your carnal prayers. Amen. Amen. And so, uh, we change our praying for him to open our eyes. Now, I want to, I want to show you how to do that. 
And look at Ephesians chapter 1 as we're here. And we're going to go down a few verses. And there's actually a prayer here starts at about verse 16, verse 15, verse 16. goes to the end of the chapter. And then he continues the discourse into chapter 2. But to me, this is the number one way to pray for yourself and fellow believers in order to walk at all that Jesus has done for you. I want to say that again. This is the number one way to pray for the Bible for yourself and fellow believers so you can enjoy, so they'll see what God's done for them. Already blessed them with everything he's got. Can't give them any more. But you've got to follow the manual to be able to get results. And so chapter 1, verse 16 says, I cease not, this is Paul praying, for those that are in Christ Jesus the faithful, I cease not to give thanks for you, making mention of you in my prayers. And I've prayed that so many thousands and thousands and thousands of times during my Christian life for myself and for other people. And that's why John sees what he sees. That's why so many of you got the victory you've got, because I've prayed this prayer over these church people just so many times, I can't tell you. To make a mention of my prayers, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, now look at this, may give unto you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of Him. The spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of Him. This is a prayer. The eyes of your understanding being enlightened. That's all about your spiritual eyes. You got, remember Jesus said, He that hath an ear to hear, let him hear. You got spiritual ears, you got spiritual eyes. And Paul said, I'm praying that your spiritual eyes will be opened, enlightened, open, so you'll know. So you'll know what is the hope of his calling. And look at this, what the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints. That's those spiritual blessings he's blessed you with already, the inheritance. Divine healing and divine health. Peace of mind. Blessing in your home. Blessing in your finances. That's the inheritance through Christ Jesus. All spiritual blessings. But he's praying right here. I pray their eyes be open to see how to put that serpentine belt on. They've already got it. Quit praying for it. The eyes need to be open now to see how to put on healing. How to put on joy. How to put on peace in your home. That says, and what is the exceeding greatness of his power to usward who believe? The exceeding greatness of God, God's power belongs to you believers. He says you need to see the exceeding greatness of that power, just like John did. Devil, get out of my house in the name of Jesus. You're not bringing the flu in my house. You're not bringing cancer in my house. Devil, you're not coming in here going to talk to my wife and my kids. You're not bringing up people in here. You're not bringing drugs in my house. You're not bringing pornography in my house. I say no to strife in my house. You've got that power in you. See, so many people are asking God to do something He's given you the authority to do. You know, do you ever think about scriptures that tell us how to deal with the devil? Uh, Pastor Dave talked the other day, James 4, verse 7, says, Submit yourselves to God. You resist the devil and he'll flee from you. Amen. Ephesians 4, 27 says, Neither you give place to the devil. Don't you give place to the devil. Ephesians chapter 6 says, for we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers. Tell God to put on the armor of God. No, it says you put on the armor of God. You know, the Bible tells us we're the ones supposed to tell the devil what to do. Jesus already, uh, 
Uh, Colossians chapter 2, verse 15 says, Jesus paralyzed and disarmed principalities and powers. Jesus took care of the devil. Jesus is in heaven. We're on earth. We're the ones. We're the ones that have to take authority over the devil in our house. He comes into our Garden of Eden and says, Has God really said? Well, if the Word of God says it, you do what Jesus said. Jesus says, It is written, Satan. I'm redeemed from the curse. It is written. I resist you and you flee from me. It is written. The blessing of God's on my home. It is written. My kids will serve the Lord. I want to say it again. I'm doing better preaching than you are shouting. Somebody ought to be getting excited about this. Amen. And so that power to us word that believe, it says, which he wrought. Now listen, here's the power, he says, that's in us as believers. It's that Mr. Patrick gets about just that fat. It's blowing my pages too much. Thank you, Jesse. Somebody. Yeah. It says that same power that raised Christ from the dead is in us. And then it says, and look at this, and set him at his own right hand in the heavenly places. And so where's Jesus set it at? At the right hand of God. Does it say that? In heavenly places. And look where that is. That's far above all principality and power and might and dominion. And that's talking about far above all demonic power and all earthly power. Jesus is seated above that all. It says, above all those things, that every name that is named, do you know that cancer is a name that is named? Did you know that poverty is a name that is named? Do you know that wayward children is a name that is named? Do you know that, you know that, uh, that, 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 uh, I don't know what they call them these days, so many different things change. Drug dealers, people that try to, try, that try to pimp your kids and get them hooked on dope and everything and gangbangers, those are names that are named. It says Jesus is set far above all those names that are named on earth. It says not only this world, but also the world to come, which is to come, and hath put all things under Jesus' feet. It says all these things are under Jesus' feet, and gave him to be the head over all things to the church, which is his body, the fullness of him that filleth all in all. So let me ask you this. Does that tell you that everything is under Jesus' feet? He's got authority over everything? All right, you got your shouting clothes on? Okay, I want you to stay hooked up. The same passage flows right into chapter 2. Look at verse 6. This is some of what your eyes need to be opened with, open to see. The eyes of understanding open. And look at this. Hath raised us up together. We've been raised up with him. And made us to sit together. Where? In heavenly places in Christ Jesus. We're raised up together. And we're seated together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. Now look at this. Verse 20. Here's where we're seated at. You as believers in this spiritual arena, we're seated spiritually, verse 20, we're seated spiritually at the right hand of God in Christ Jesus. And where's that? Far above. Far above. All principality and power and might and dominion and every name that is named, not in this world, but also that which has come and put all things under his feet. All things under his feet. We are part of the body of Christ. We live in an earth suit down here on earth, but spiritually we're seated with Jesus at the right hand of the Father, far above all addictions. Far above all cancers. Far above everything the devil's trying to destroy your family and your life with. 
So we're seated far above all those things. Paul said, we've already been blessed with all the victory we're ever going to get. And then he said, I pray for your eyes to be open so you'll see it. Not to put it on. Man, can you imagine how stupid that is? A grown man looking at his car, that serpentine belt there, laying right there in the package, and my car won't go. Oh, God, give me a serpentine belt. Oh, please give me a serpentine belt. I'm looking at it. That's how Christians are. They're praying, oh, God, oh, God, oh, God, give me this. And God says, it's right there. It's called B-I-B-L-E. But you're spending so much time doing this that you're not even up your B-I-B-L-E. And God says, if you just shut the stupid phone off for a minute, I'd like to bust up a sledgehammer. Well, then you're still going to pay the $800. So you can't bust it. you got to control it. Oh, boy. Uh, I'm so glad I get to preach again. Praise God. Amen. I want you to look at, hold your place here in Ephesians. I want you to look at Romans chapter 5. Romans chapter 5, verse 17. I want you to see this. Romans 5, verse 17. Says this. For if by one man's offense death reigned by one, that's talking about Adam in the Garden of Eden. Adam opened up the door to spiritual death and to the curse on the earth. It says, uh, much more they which receive abundance of grace and the gift of righteousness. And so that's when you get born again through Jesus Christ. It says, shall reign when they get to heaven. What's that say? Shall reign where? In what? This life. By one or through one Jesus Christ. It says, we, through Jesus Christ, shall reign in life. You know, uh, we don't, we don't, we don't have kings and things like that that are dictators now. They do some part of the world. But when you read the Old Testament, the kings reigned over their kingdom. If they made a law, if somebody didn't obey the law, they reigned. They decreed things. They caused things to happen. Well, it says, we are to reign in this life over our dominion. Our dominion is our family. Our dominion is our home. Our dominion is our realm of influence where we have to live and move. It's on our jobs. I think about what I used to be a truck driver, you know. Uh, hard to believe, but I, dro- I drove semi for 28 years. Wow. Man, that's, that's, that's a few years, wasn't it? <laughs> but you know what I determined when I found out the things that I'm teaching you tonight? I, I, I called myself a missionary to the people around me where I delivered that semi. Where I went to, I called myself a missionary for Jesus because I looked at myself this way. I didn't call my paycheck a paycheck. I called my paycheck an offering for ministering for Jesus. I called my 18-wheeler my chapel on wheels. And I can tell you so many testimonies why I did in that chapel. I'd back up to wherever I was living to, whatever warehouse it was, whatever business it was, and... When I got there, as I was praying, as I backed up these truck docks of these warehouses where sinners were, just all these, some of these really messed up people, all, every day before I took off that truck, I'd walk around it. I'd say, Lord, this truck is dedicated to your glory. This semi, this belongs to you, Jesus. I'm on assignment today, and this is my domain. And as soon as this tailgate of this truck touches that dock, that's holy territory. 
And I'd walk to the back of my truck, but I'd open that door and go in there. They'd bring in tow motors in, uh, two-wheelers, carts, whatever we was unloading off that truck. But I was in that place there, man. They'd have, they'd have cussing, gooped up, some really foul people like that. I'd stand at the back of the truck, and I'd say, Satan, that's a bloodline right there. That's their warehouse, but this is my chapel. When they cross that bloodline, they're mine. <laughs> I don't have time to go to the testimony, but man, oh man, oh man, the people I led to Jesus in those trucks, the people I cast the devils out of in those trucks. Jesus said we're supposed to cast devils out. That's just not in church. Sometimes it's hard to cast those religious devils out in church because people want them. But anyway, but anyway, the things that happened, the whole thing, what it was, I recognized I belonged to Jesus. He told me to preach the gospel to every creature. And so I'm not a preacher in a church yet, but I can preach in my realm of influence. And so I would take authority over the devil when I went to places like that. And man, I'll tell you what, you should have seen some of these people when I took authority of those demons. Man, they'd be cussing a foul mouth. They stepped in my truck and all of a sudden they'd get locked, y'all. They couldn't cuss anymore. They came into my domain. They crossed the bloodline. Somebody can clap if they want to. I thought it was pretty good. And so he says right here, I want you to look at verse 6 again, Ephesians chapter 2. He said he's raised us up together. That's talking about you. That's talking about me. He's made us sit together. We're joint heirs with Jesus Christ. Sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. We, right now, today, you have to get the revelation we live in parallel worlds. There's a spiritual realm, there's a physical realm. And the book of James, James said, the body without the spirit is dead. Paul said in Philippians chapter 1, to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. And so you have to have an earth suit. To function on this earth. But the earth suit is not you. That's the vehicle that carries you. My car out there in the parking lot's not me. If I want to get somewhere quick, I gotta have a car to get in. But that's not me. My car out there sitting out there can do nothing without me. I came in here, my car's there. But I get back in my car, I give it life. I can go someplace. Your body's not you. Your body carries you. But your body needs you because your body is dead when you come out of it. And so we're seated in heavenly places in Christ Jesus, the right head of God. Right now, spiritually, we're hooked up with Jesus up there, but physically, we're down here. Does anybody see something out of this? Amen. A lot of times what I like to do, he's talking about this revelation knowledge he wants us to have. We're going to get into that some more. But a lot of times, I start services like this. How many here have a Bible? Hold up your Bible. And, you know, if you're using some kind of a thing like that, man, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not cursing your social devices. You use a lot of people use those. <laughs> but whatever it is, you're studying the Word of God out of it. Just hold that up. And I like to say this. This is based upon these verses we just saw. Say, this is my Bible. This is the holy written word of God. This is not just a man talking. This is God. My Father. Talking to me. My Bible. 
is a gift from God because Jesus is the living Word and this is the written Word. When I open my Bible and listen to Jesus, He reveals the written Word to me. I am who the Bible says I am. I'm going to do, we're going to do that again. I want you to get this. I am whom the Bible says I am. I'm not a misfit. I'm not busted. Disgusted. I can't be trusted. I'm not cancer ridden. I'm not full of depression. I'm not full of poverty and lack. I may have been born on the other side of the tracks, but I've been born again. To win. Hallelujah. Amen. Now get this. Get this. I can do everything. Absolutely everything that my Bible says I can do. And I can have everything my Bible says I can have. Amen. 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 Give the Lord a hand. Now, the reason... I like to have people say that. You've got to get a hold of this. You stop to think about it. Probably 90% of the day you're out in contamination. And you know, the world, they may, they may be some positive talkers out there. And Christians that get a hold of the Word sound like positive talkers, but it's much more than that. When you get a hold of the Word of God, your mind gets changed, you're going to talk positive. But when you're speaking the Word of God, it's not just positive words, it's anointed words. And anointed words change the world. Anointed words change your family. Anointed words change your job atmosphere. They change everything. But you've got to get that revelation into your heart. That's what we're talking about. Amen. Are you still awake? Amen. Stay awake, stay alive, because we're going to see some things now that's really, really, really going to help you. So I want to focus down Ephesians 1 here on verse 17 through 19. I want you to look at this verse 17 through 19. Keep it in mind, we're changing your prayer life tonight. You don't have to be a beggar anymore. God's already blessed you with all that He has. You don't have to beg Him to do something that He did. He already did it. You need to quit begging. Amen. And so Paul said, after he told him in verse 3, God's already done all He's going to do. Verse 17, he says, I'm praying that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give unto you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of Him. Now, you notice it says, in the knowledge of Him. If I want knowledge about how to work on cars, I'm not going to read the Bible. I'm going to get a repair manual. I'm going to read that if I want knowledge about cars. If I want knowledge, if I want knowledge about how to do something with a computer, I'm going to read some kind of stuff about a computer to find out what it tells me to do to use the computer. I mean, man, I'll tell you what, I better get past the duh. That's because I haven't studied them a whole lot. But whatever it is, you know, I've had several different smartphones over the years. And when you get a new smartphone, I'll tell you what, you have to study them some, but then you do a lot of experiment with the two to you find out what makes it work the best. But this here says, our eyes are be open to the knowledge of God. So where are you going to get knowledge of God at? The Bible. So if you don't open the Bible, how are you going to get the knowledge? If you don't come to a church that teaches the Bible, how are you going to get the knowledge? So if Paul's praying and saying, 
God's already blessed you, fellow believer, with everything he's got. And now I'm praying your eyes will be open to see how to pick up that dumb package, that serpentine belt, and put it on your car. You know, can't you see how silly that is? You're sitting up begging, praying God for financial blessing. And God says, I've already done all I can do. Your eyes have got to be open to see how to get it. And then God's telling you, you know, how many, oh, as a pastor, but I tell you, I just, I really prayed I'd be nice. I'm going to stay really nice. I think it's so sad to see somebody come in for marriage counseling and treat each other like a dog. And the knowledge book tells you husbands love your wives like Jesus loved the church. There's the knowledge right there, lady. Put it on. Husband, put it on. And how about wives, submit yourselves to your own husbands. Did you notice the key word there? Submit yourself to your own husband. And modern political times, did you notice it say to your own living? I'm not going down that road. I just want to go down tonight. But right there, would that give you a clue why there's trouble in relationships? If the knowledge book, the knowledge of God says, husbands, wives, love, submit, and then come, 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 come into the Office wants a marriage counseling. Talk about how dumb she is. Can't do anything right. And they talk about how stupid she is. How ignorant she is. They think, wow, you guys need to see that the Bible said God blessed the marriage and said it is good. It says not good for man to live alone. It says man needs his own wife. And then you know something else it said? Oh, stay off these roads, Pastor. you got too much stuff to get into there. But did you notice... In the beginning of marriage, God said, leave mom and dad and cleave one to another. You know why there's so many trouble in marriage today, among other things? They don't leave and cleave. You can't cleave to this one here and depend on him or depend on her if you didn't leave them. Somebody said, Pastor, I'm getting very uncomfortable in this situation. Well, you know, sometimes the Word of God is like a pair of shoes. you got to put it on and wear it for a while so it'll quit rubbing wrong. Oh, boy, where'd that come from? Well, in, our, in, in the Bible, call this a walk with God. Well, sometimes when you're walking with God, your feet hurt. But then after you get used to it, they don't hurt anymore, then you start running. Glory to God, that's good, I like that. Yes, so anyway... He says, spirit of wisdom, revelation, and the knowledge of Him. Now, the eyes of your understanding being opened. See, this is a prayer right here. This is not just looking at some words of the Bible. This is a prayer. Paul said, I'm praying for you, church. He said, you need wisdom and understanding the knowledge of God. That would be a clue right there. Read your Bible. And then the eyes of your understanding being opened, that would be another clue. Pray. Pray while you're reading. Say, Lord, open my eyes to see this. You know? I think about we as Christians. We as Christians. I, I, I think about a guy back in Indiana years ago who never did go to our church, but his wife did. I'll never forget it. Oh, boy. I just, sometimes you've you got to talk nice. You can't, but you get so disgusted with seeing people's goofy lives and they won't do what's right. This goofy guy would come to church and drop his wife and kids off. And he was the most depressed looking thing you ever saw. I remember, I remember... I remember we come out one Sunday night, me and Mrs. Pastor, and here he was standing there smoking a cigarette, hanging outside the church, but I don't care if he smoked, that's his business, but depressed. 
And we was all coming out of there about our church was called Joy in Living Christian Center. Joy in Living. That was the spirit of the church. Joy. And so, man, everybody's coming out, had a good time like that, man, laughing, carrying on. And he stood there, picking up his wife and kids. Well, I wish I could have what you guys had. I, I wish I was like that. His name was Ginger. said, well, Ginger, come on in. <laughs> All you have to do is come in, man. You come in. He never would come in. And I look at Christians going through battles financially, going through battles in their homes, and then they look at successful marriages in the church like this. Or they look at people uh, prospering and doing better than they used to do. They're coming right along in life. Look at people like, like John. That, John, that testimony really got me. That was so good. That's called job security for me. As long as people's getting it, man, I got a job. And so anyway, I look at people, look at us, and they say, I wish I could have what Katie Brady had. I know, I know some things about Katie Brady. Heard her husband with some things in life, and I wish I, I wish I could have the joy she's got. Well, come in. Come and get it where she got it. You know, I, I, I can look at so many faces in here. I know the battles you've been through. I know the battles you're going through. I know how you looked when you came in here. And did you like, did you ever think about in Romans chapter 10 why it says how beautiful are the feet of them? Well, cause when people come in, they're like that. That's all they can see is your feet. Then they look up at you like that. That's beautiful feet cause they're bringing the good news. People come in here down and out, dejected, looking down. I look at Frank over there. You know, I don't get to pick on Frank very much, but I look at Frank over there. I'll tell you what, Frank is a winner that found his place to happen. Man, Frank's been through a lot in life. I've watched this man for the last, what's been, about a year and a half, Frank, something like that? I've watched him for a year and a half, man. Frank went from that to that to that, and now he's up to that. He's really come along, but what that is, amen. His eyes of understanding have been opened to see some things he didn't used to see. He knows some things he didn't used to know. But I can tell you this, I've never been to his home, I've never been around him personally outside of the church, but I can see a man like that changing, I'll tell you what, he's opened his Bible. He's read his Bible, he's prayed, and his eyes of understanding have been opened by the Spirit of God to see and to know some things belong to him. Amen. That's all I want to say it again. I look at Junior's old depressed face. He said, I wish I could have what you guys have. I said, Junior, come on in. And so tonight, that's what I'm telling you what we're looking at. For those of us that have got victory, do what we do. Don't stay outside looking in. Hey man, you know, Pastor Dave talked today about that uh, discipleship program they got going. He said he asked some people to, they're telling them to fast something for a month. I, I don't just purposely think about, man, how can I knock people's social media? But let me tell you something. If you don't have victory, fast it for a month. About four or five years ago, I was at a missions conference up in Visalia, and they wasn't preaching on anything about social media. But I was sitting there in the church, and just all of a sudden, the Spirit of God, in my heart I knew, take Fox News off your apps. I deleted it. Take Facebook off your apps. I deleted it. I've never put them back because I realized what a deception they were. I know what's going on around me. And I, I look at Facebook. I pull it up. I go the long way around. I have to push all kinds of things to make it happen. I got a time limit on the inside of me, a clock. Yeah, if I don't see something I want to see about my family that lives around the country, if I don't see something from my church that I want to see, I quickly shut it off. 
because it's the same garbage day after day after day after day after day after day after day. And then you just stop and think, man, if I have spent that hour and a half reading my Bible or listening to a sermon from the church instead of on there, what did I get out of it? All you got to have it, I just say three letters. Y-U-K, yuck. You just like, man, what I got that? I got yuck. I feel dirty. I feel violated. I feel stupid. I feel dumb. So I'm just, I'll just give you the challenge, the discipleship challenge. Severely cut back your time consumption on social media, or if you have to, fast it all the way. And just say, Lord, I've shut this off. I did that that many years ago, and it's not got me since. Because I just decided what a stupid thing it was. Amen. And so anyway, I want you to notice now, he says that the spirit of wisdom revelation. Now write this down. I'm probably getting ready to give you some new information that you're not aware of yet. There's two kinds of knowledge. Two kinds of knowledge in this world. Number one is sense knowledge. Number two is revelation knowledge from God. Sense knowledge is what your five physical senses tell you. See, hear, taste, touch, and smell. That's your physical senses. Your physical body has sensors on them. You know, think about your car. On your car, you got gauges. They sense what's going on. If your engine's getting hot, then you got a gauge or a needle tells you something's happened with the engine. If your battery's going bad, something happens, you see a gauge say a discharge or something going on, on and on, they got all kinds of lights and senses what's going on with the car. Your body has senses to tell you something's wrong. You have your sense of smell. You're hearing, tasting, touching, seeing. They, they monitor what's around you. My sensors on my body told me a year ago something's wrong. That sense knowledge told me something's wrong. Your brain's not working right. You don't have the energy you're supposed to have. It sensed something was wrong. And so I did not live off of sense knowledge alone. Revelation knowledge from the Word of God. The eyes of my understanding have been opened that God says that God will reveal to you your inheritance. Revelation knowledge told me, call for the elders of the church. Let the elders of the church anoint you of all in the name of the Lord and the prayer of faith will heal the sick. Revelation knowledge told me, by Jesus' stripes you were healed. Revelation knowledge told me you have authority over the devil. Submit to God, resist him, he'll flee from you. And so I chose revelation knowledge over sense knowledge. Revelation knowledge told me I was going to live this thing out with the word of God. But because my body had already been attacked, I had to go with the natural side. So the doctor to keep me long, alive long enough for the spiritual side to kick in and take over. I want to say that again. Somebody needs to hear this. The doctors, praise God for them, kept me alive. So the spiritual side, the spiritual always determines the natural. And so my eyes of understanding need to be sharpened again. I need the spirit of wisdom and revelation. I need healing to jump out again. Like it was supposed to. And so I'm going to say it again. I want you to get a hold of this now. Too many Christians live off of sense knowledge alone. And not revelation knowledge. God gave us our senses so they're good. 
If you're in your house and you got a gas leak, it's sure is good to have a nose. If you live in your house and you got wiring starts burning, it sure is nice to smell that wiring. It sure is nice to know if that stove's getting too hot, even if you don't see it, you don't want to touch it. I mean, it's nice to have senses that are working. It's nice if you're going down the road and there's a siren coming, you're about to go through the green light, and your ears tell you, stop. There's a place for all your senses that revelation knowledge will put money in your bank. Revelation knowledge will get you the job. Revelation knowledge will save your marriage. Revelation knowledge will bring your kids home. Revelation knowledge from God will do anything you need done in your life. That's why Paul said, you've already got everything that God has for you, but you're not, your eyes need to be open to see it. Now I want to close in Matthew chapter 16. You're not getting bored, are you? Well, I want you to see this. And I want to say this, the greatest need of the church is revelation knowledge. But you've got to know this, it's knowledge acted upon that brings results. There's a lot of people that quote a lot of Bible, but they don't live a lot of Bible. So it's knowledge acted upon that brings results. Now, Matthew chapter 16, verse 13 through 15. I want you to look at this and listen with your heart. Truly let Jesus speak to your heart. It says this, when Jesus came into the coast of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, say this, whom do men say that I, the son of man, am? He said, Who does other, what's other people say about me? I want to tell you, there's a lot of religions in the world right now that say a lot of things about who Jesus is. <clears throat> you, you, ask, you ask people that are Muslims who Jesus is, they're not going to say he wasn't a real person. They're going to say, well, he was a prophet. And you know, lots of other different religions, Hindus, everybody else, they all acknowledge who they say Jesus is. And then uh, the disciples said, they said, some say that, Jesus, you're John the Baptist. Some say you're Elijah. Others, Jeremiah, or one of the prophets. So a lot of people are going to say a lot of things. But then Jesus said this, and let this burn into your heart tonight. He saith unto them, but whom say ye that I am? If you get diagnosed with a serious cancer, who do you say Jesus is? If your child's been overcome by gangbangers and dope, and what to turn them into thieves and thugs, who do you say Jesus is concerning your child? If you are going through a serious job crisis, who do you say Jesus is concerning your employment? He said, whom say ye that I am? And so when it comes to crisis in your life and family, it doesn't much matter who your favorite preacher or who your favorite Christian friend thinks about Jesus is, that will give you victory. But it's who and what you know and believe Jesus can and will do for you. It doesn't make any difference what Jesus did for Joyce Myers or what she believes about Jesus. If the devil attacks your house, what do you believe about Jesus? What do you believe he can and most important, what do you say he will do for your house? That's a burning question. Jesus asked these guys, asked the crowd, say, hey, 
What's everybody saying about me? And then Jesus stopped and said, now, okay, Betty, what do you say about me? Daniel, what do you say about me? See, when you get to your prayer closet between you and God, the devil out there trying to destroy you, what are you going to say? It's going to be, is it going to be back to the wine and prayer? Oh, Jesus, give me the serpentine belt. Give me the serpentine belt. Are you looking at it? Pastor told you how to put it on. Read the book. Amen. Quit begging. And so who say that I am? And look at this now. Verse 16 and 17. And Simon Peter answered and said, Thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. In the Greek, it says you're the anointed one with the anointing that can change the world. Christ means the anointed one. Christos. He said, you're not just some great prophet. You are the anointed one. You have the anointing to change my life. You're the anointed one. And Jesus answered and said to him, Blessed are thou, Simon Barjona. Look at this. This is the key to everything tonight, right here. This is the master key. For flesh and blood hath not... There's the revelation knowledge again. Revealed it. Flesh and blood have not revealed it unto thee, but my Father which is in heaven. My Father gave you revelation of who I am. My Father put that in your heart. And so listen to this. When God gives you revelation knowledge that Jesus is everything you need to win in every crisis of life, you'll never stay down and defeated again. Revelation knowledge means this. The best definition I know is so simple. You know that you know that you know that you know. How do you know? Because you know that you know that you know that you know. Your head tells you no. All your friends tell you no. The doctors tell you no. The employer tells you no. History tells you no. Circumstances tell you no. But when my God says, I supply all your need, according to His riches and glory by Christ Jesus, no matter what that insurmountable financial deal looks like, you know that you know that you know that you know. My God is rebuking the devourer for me because I'm a tither. My God has opened the windows of heaven. My God is moving the mountains. My God has gave me favor. That belongs to me. Well, how do you know? My Father which is in heaven has revealed that unto me. You know, revelation knowledge for me is Psalms 91, verses 14 through 16, because I've set my love upon my Jesus. He's with me in time of trouble. I was in heart surgery a month and a half ago, and Jesus walked into my room and held my hand. And then at 2 o'clock that morning, the devil tried to kill me in that hospital room. Jesus walked into that room and stood there at my bedside praying. I didn't see him with my physical eyes, but just as surely as I could feel this lady's hand right here, I felt that hand come up and reach under that surgery thing while they were doing that surgery to hold my hand all the way through it. I felt a real hand. In that hospital room at 3 o'clock in the morning, a person walked into my room that I didn't see, but I heard him speaking my name and praying over me all night. That's all in line with the Word of God. Hebrews 7.25 says he's ever at the right hand of the Father making intercession for us. That was the Word of God. He told me in Matthew chapter 28, I'll never leave you nor forsake you. I'll be with you always. Jesus showed up in my room. You know why? 
it's revealed to me that my God is with me all the time. Revelation 9 from Psalms 91 tells me in verse 16, with long life will I satisfy Bernie. I'm only 67 years old. That's not long yet. You know, it's a fairly decent start compared to some of you little kids, you know. But, but what I'm saying is this, that revelation knowledge from the Word of God by the Holy Spirit. I've spent enough time with Him. I know that I know that I know that I know. A preacher didn't reveal it to me. Some magazine didn't reveal it to me. My Father which is in heaven revealed it to me. My eyes of understanding have been opened. And so that's what you need to know. That's revelation knowledge that you know, that you know, that you know, that you know. And then notice this. Notice this. Verse 18. He said, I say unto thee that thou art Peter, and upon this rock, what's the rock, the bedrock of our salvation? It's revelation knowledge. Upon this rock, this revelation that you're the Christ, the Son of the living God, upon this rock, he said, I'll build my church. And look at this. And the gates of hell shall not prevail against revelation knowledge. The church that's full of revelation knowledge, Satan can do nothing to destroy you. Revelation knowledge. And so, no matter what life or Satan throws your way, it cannot prevail against revelation knowledge that God gives you and you put into practice in your life. Satan cannot stop revelation knowledge from God but a believer puts it into action. Now, the last verse we're going to look at is verse 19. And so he said, And I will give unto thee the keys of the kingdom of heaven. In the Bible, keys represent authority. In your house, who's the highest authority in your house? You, the inhabitants of the house, are the highest authority. I don't have keys to your home. You've got a key opens the door because you've got the authority. You've got the key to your car. I don't have authority to take your car, but you've got the key to the car. He said, I'll give you the keys to the kingdom of heaven to use down here on earth. We got the key. That master key is revelation knowledge. He said, the gates of hell will not prevail. He said, I'll give you the keys of the kingdom. And whatsoever you shall bind on earth shall be bound in heaven. Whatsoever you shall loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. Now, I want to read that out of the Amplified Bible. He says the same thing in chapter 18, verse 18. This is the closer, but you've got to get this. He says, truly, I tell you, talking about you, Mr. and Mrs. Believer, you, brother and sister Christian, he says this, truly, I tell you, whatever you forbid and declare, declare means you're saying it out of your mouth, you're ruling and you're reigning. Whatever you declare to be improper and unlawful on earth must be what is already forbidden in heaven. And whatever you permit to declare proper and lawful on earth must be what is already permitted in heaven. I remember about probably 37 years ago, I was praying for a loved one and I was looking at this verse. And this loved one in my family was rebelling against God. Causing trouble, just causing me trouble in life as a loved one in my family. And I looked at that verse I said, wait a minute. If it's not permitted in heaven... And he tells me I can declare it can't be permitted on earth where I've got influence. But what I was supposed to do, Jeff, I thought, wait a minute. In heaven, they worship Jesus. In heaven, they get along. In heaven, they love God. 
The devil tried one time to take over heaven. And Jesus said, I kicked him out of heaven. So I thought, wait a minute. If I've got the keys to my family then, authority down here, that says, Satan, I forbid you because of this person to wreak havoc in my family. It's not permitted in heaven, so I'm not going to permit it in my family. In heaven, in heaven, the people worship Jesus. And so I say in the name of Jesus, I pray for this person. Their eyes are going to be open to see who Jesus is. And I only permit people in my family to yield to that spirit to worship Jesus. Because the Bible says, what I bind is bound, what I loose is loose. And so I permit in my family the spirit of God to move, not the spirit of devil. Devil, I bind you in Jesus' name. Stay away from my family in Jesus' name. And so I'll close with saying this how we started. You do not have authority over the whole world. But you have authority in your part of the world. You can't control everybody else's life. But you control what goes on in your family. And so, be doers of the word. Pray from Ephesians chapter 1 that God will give you revelation of what belongs to you. And then when you see it, do it. Amen. Let's stand up. Thank you for listening to this podcast. For more information, visit hdwc.org.